0: Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob.
1: I was like i'll do anything for 25 bucks a day and he said no and i was like i'll clean the floors like i'll like do the dumbest job take out the trash whatever like and he just kept saying no but i kept asking and coming back and finally he was like well if you want to work here like you've got to talk to my driver which i didn't want to do because <laughs> his driver kind of intimidated me and finally he was like come with me like i'll go ask him and so we went back in the race shop and He told the driver, like, hey, McKenna here wants to work for 20. She said she'll do anything for 25 bucks a day. And so um, he grinned and said, if that's the case, then what will she do for 50?
2: This podcast is brought to you by livemomentous.com. Leading the way in human performance is Live Momentous. For listening today, you get a discount at checkout. Enter the code DRB20. That's DRB, the number 20, for 20% off your order. Live momentous, optimize, perform, recover. So our guest today on the Mental Toughness Podcast is a champion race car driver. She's raced since 2010, so her involvement in motorsports has really been anything but but linear. And we're going to talk about that today. Currently, she's racing 410 wing sprint cars. In 2019, she founded a 501c. Youth Racers of America. It's designed to introduce kids to racing. She's a second degree black belt contestant on American Ninja Warrior. Our guest today is number 55, McKenna sassy Hassies. McKenna, thanks so much for, for joining us and taking the time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
2: So let's start like back when you were young. I mean, you know, I've, I've listened to you you, you, you had it, you started with a dirt bike, but you mean, you had a racetrack kind of in your yard, right? That's how you got interested in it.
1: Well, yeah, sort of. I did. That was the first thing I ever drove, quote unquote, was a dirt bike. And then I had a four wheeler. And so I would just kind of make my own tracks in the yard and, um, you know, just kind of run imaginary races all day long. And, um, originally, you know, I had seen my cousin race when he was younger and I was about. Probably like ten or eleven, you know, when he started. So that was kind of my first exposure to youth racing. So it wasn't something that I was nested like all the time when I was younger. And he lived in uh, Arkansas, so I watched him race down south. Didn't really know that was a thing in my area. And I also met NASCAR driver Casey Kane in a shopping mall around the same time frame, and that kind of sparked my passion for NASCAR and also helped me learn more about sprint car racing and just racing in my part of the country. And so that kind of got me interested in it as a whole, but it really took like a long, long time from the time that I first saw it to the time that I started racing. And when I say a long time, I mean, we're talking, you know, really like three to six years total. But when you're a kid, like, especially when you're trying to do something professionally, like that can be a long time when a lot of kids start racing, like when they're five or six. And so yeah, right. Um, that's just kind of the intro, but...
2: so. I mean, I love the hinge moments here, like these moments, events, people that make all the difference in our lives. And sometimes when I, mean, I might not know they happen until weeks, years later, but you you kind of alluded to it, but you had a moment with Casey Kane. Um, Talk to us about how that transpired and, and even kind of what he did in that moment. But, but talk to us about that because I love that story.
1: Yep, so basically... We were on vacation, my family and I were, and then he was doing an autograph session in a shopping mall that we were in. And so um, we kind of wandered over just to see what was taking place because there was a lot of people there for that. And we didn't know who it was. We just knew it was somebody famous. And then they said that it was all done and wrapped up. So we just left because, you know, we didn't come for that anyway. Well, Casey followed me and my sister through the mall. A little ways just to make sure that we got like an autograph and a picture and stuff and so that was kind of when like afterwards we looked him up and realized like who he was and um for you know for me like to the rest of my family they were kind of like oh that's cool you know but for me it just was like a total trigger moment in my life like i just totally i don't know just like fell in love with nascar and just um you know, was a huge fan of Casey's and just like started following it like crazy and it just never left. Like, I think my parents thought it was just something that, you know, would kind of last for a few months and then I'd move on to something else. But instead, like I remained passionate about it, obviously my entire life. And then Casey ended up retiring from NASCAR to race sprint cars. And so now we race each other um, week in and week out, which is kind of cool.
2: Wow, that is cool. It's come full circle, huh?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: Nice. Did you, and and I'm sure then you shared with him that story.
1: It took a long, long time, um, into my racing career for, you know, for him to really learn the story. And one of the NASCAR, um, like media personnel wrote an article about our story that kind of, you know, took off and got a lot of coverage in NASCAR. And so he shared the story when that happened and, you know, kind of talked about it. And so, um, now we're kind of acquaintances that race each other. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely, definitely pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Well, I love that, especially with the moment of, um, you know, really not even supposed to be there. you are being there, no interest in it. And then he kind of follows you sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I, I know, uh, faith is a big part of your life. And I mean, I just kind of look at like these God moments that happen like that, that totally change the trajectory of our life.
1: Oh, yeah, it's completely undeniable. Like, I know it's easy for people to sometimes just say, like, oh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal or whatever, but it was a big deal because really, like, so many things in my life stemmed from that because, like, what's crazy about it in some ways, too, is we met him in the Grand Ole Opry shopping mall in Nashville. Well, my sister went on to live in Nashville, and at, like, her her early stages of living there, she worked for country music television, and... Then when I was a little bit younger, um, I got selected for the NASCAR combine, which was in Daytona. And we traveled through Nashville on the way there. So almost 10 years to the exact day, we went back to the same shopping mall on our way to the NASCAR combine and and took a picture in the same spot, which was kind of funny. And, and, um, and then, like I said, it was just kind of cool that, you know, now my sister lives there. And like, there's just kind of these different connections to it all. and so. Um, yeah, so I just think definitely from a faith perspective, like it was just undeniable how it it started there, but then it also even led to just like my interest in sprint car racing and finding Knoxville raceway and, and all of that kind of stuff. It really sparked, um, so many things and finding the first track I raced at, and all of that was connected to Casey, even my number on my car is connected to that. And so, um, so yeah, I think definitely one of the most, uh, like instrumental moments of my life.
2: So I got to witness you speak at an event, and that's how we came to know each other, which you did, again, fantastic job. I know I probably told you that about three times, but I see a lot of speakers. And what struck me about you, obviously, was you're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, and what they resonated with, and I guarantee it, is you had no prospects, no job, no ride, and you up and and came to Indy, make it work share with us that story and that that part of your life when that when that took place
1: yep so in 2019 i the year before i had been racing 360s we had had a pretty successful year and i actually had a really good offer to race for the 360 championship at knoxville that season and meanwhile i had kind of started dabbling in midget racing really wanted to move to indianapolis to do that it was like a huge goal of mine at that time to win in a midget and so I worked really hard to get this opportunity, but I ended up kind of losing it last minute for some unfair reasons, in my opinion. And so basically just felt called to not um, give up that fight, I guess, and maybe not even for that opportunity, but just for kind of, you know, something along those lines. And so I decided just to get on this one-way flight to Indianapolis and not come back until I had something else. So that's what I did. I came here and kind of just, you know, couch chopped for a little while looking for opportunities. And then um, basically slowly just, it was like all these crazy God stories from finding the,
2: yeah. the
1: house that, you know, I lived, moved into and just um, everything just like fell into place. I ended up getting a good opportunity with a 410 team and ended up going that direction instead. And so it's been a crazy four years here in Indy, but I do know again, that this was like all part of the plan. And like, I just feel like I would never have become, you know, just the all around, I feel like racer that I am, whether it's, you know, learning mechanically, like things on the cars and just being a part of the industry, like living here has been a huge part of that. And as always, just like the people, an impact like they have on you and vice versa. Like I I'm just really thankful that I made this leap.
2: Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you sat next to somebody on that plane, right. Made a difference in your life.
1: Yes. Yeah, so on the one way flight here, I was basically starting to panic um, with like within the last 30 minutes of that flight. And part of that was just because I wasn't just coming here for like nothing. Like I did have, some things lined up and some some people i was going to be seeing and uh let's just say those it was kind of a bold move on my part and then also those situations were kind of nerve-wracking and so there was this guy next to me on the plane and i just looked over at him and i was like he was like younger like kind of my age and um looks a business professional and i was like hey what are you doing on this plane and and he was like i'm going here for a work trip what are you doing on the plane and i'm like i kind of like Told him my whole life story in 30 seconds um, and just kind of like told him all about, you know, like I raced and I did all this stuff, and then now I'm like on this plane and um, you know, because I lost my my deal and I said I'm not coming back until I have another opportunity. And I finally took a breath and he was like, wow, that's quite a story. And I was like, um, yeah, I hope it ends well. And so we ended up like exchanging numbers and because i didn't honestly know a ton of people there and i was like okay if anything goes wrong like i'm calling you (laughs) and you've got to come to the rescue and so um didn't think much of it but it was like three years later i was sitting in my house and i got a phone call from some name and number that i didn't know and i answered and the voice said um you're not going to know who this is but i sat next to you on a plane to indianapolis three years ago and i was wondering whatever happened to you and i I laughed and I was like, well, I'm still here. And um, he's like, no kidding. And, and I was like, yeah. And, and he said, he's like, well, when I sat next to you on the plane, I was going there for a work trip. But he's like, since then I became an entrepreneur, like I started my own business. And I just wanted to let you know that your courage and boldness on the plane that, that day was something that I've never forgotten. And it's part of what inspired me to do what I'm doing now. And I just wanted to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it was like so incredible. And we sat there and talked for, like, an hour, you know, just about um, all kinds of life, love, the pursuit of happiness, all those kinds of things. Had a great conversation, and, um, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know what ever happened to him after that. But just things like that where it's, like, you just never know in life. Like, it's easy for people to say, like, well, you should have never left Knoxville, you should have never done this or that. But I think, ultimately, like, you have to go where God calls you, and, like, you never know who you might be impacting and or who might be impacting you and so i just it's easy to think sometimes like yeah maybe i shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that but you look at those stories and it's like no nah, like i feel like i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be
0: hey good looking if you like this podcast and are already a badass but it's all way too complicated Then visit our website, DrRobBell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment.
2: Yeah. One of the parts of, of your story that always impressed me was showing up at the garage trying to find a job, trying to find a way in and you just kept showing up, right? Like, talk to us about that, what that, because, I mean, I just think that alone, everyone can relate to it, those that have the guts and the courage to follow what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, racing aside, what was it about that, that that you kept on doing and had that opportunity present itself?
1: Yeah, so I had talked to a few professional drivers when I came out here, just, like, trying to get their thoughts, like, what do you think I should do, like, what advice do you have? And one of them, Uh, Justin Grant is his name he was like well you've just got to show up at race shops like you just got to hang out and show up and like at some point you'll get an opportunity and I don't know I always thought that was kind of (laughs) weird like I was like no way would I just walk into somebody's shop and just sit there you know but the only way it worked out for me was like I went into one of the team's shops because they own a parts store and so they sell parts and so it's like well that gives you a reason to go in there and so I would just go in and um, sit there. They sell racing seats in the lobby. So I would just sit in one. And I started asking the owner, like, you know, can I help you with anything? Can I do anything here? And he just kept saying no. And I was like, I'll do anything for 25 bucks a day. And he said no. And I was like, I'll clean the floors. Like, I'll, like, do the dumbest job, take out the trash, whatever. Like, and he just kept saying no, but I kept asking and coming back. And finally, he was like, well, if you want to work here, like, you've got to talk to my driver which I didn't want to do because his driver kind of intimidated me. And finally he was like, come with me, like, I'll go ask him. And so we went back in the race shop and he told the driver like, Hey, McKenna here wants to work for 20. She said she'll do anything for 25 bucks a day. And so, um, he grinned and said, if that's the case, then what will she do for 50. And, uh, <laughs> um, I ended up, you know, staying and helping and, um, got to help them off and on a little bit, which was still a challenge because it's not like, yeah it's it's just like not like any of those situations are super warm and inviting but you've kind of just got to like push through that and especially at that time i didn't know a whole lot and so that was embarrassing too like when you feel like you can't contribute as much as you'd like you know and so but i learned a ton i ended up getting a driving opportunity there as well and just it kind of transformed my whole entire journey here just because even as a team owner now i ended up breaking off like kind of restarting my own team here but so much of what i learned and so much of what i do today like started in that shop and so i'm just super grateful um for that experience and then i also worked on um, that place was on gasoline alley in indianapolis and then i worked for one of the racing chassis manufacturers across the street as well doing a little bit of fabrication there for a long time as well and so very thankful for those experiences like just kind of starting at the you know very bottom and just doing like hard labor for very little money, just to learn and get opportunities. And it's definitely very worth it.
2: Yeah, um, being uh, a woman in that kind of situation, how, cause I mean, I would see, that. I mean, that would be like an, another challenge as well, right? I mean, just a lot of males, a lot of alpha males, like how did you navigate that whole process in, in terms of like your own identity and, and what you're trying to do?
1: Yeah, it depends on the situation. like you know like working on gasoline it's such a circus and it's so much fun like most days are not technically that much fun but when i look back on it i i feel like i mostly remember the fun parts which is a good thing um but i think as far as like the female thing goes like i think having strong values for me is something i'm very grateful for like nobody's perfect by any means you know me included um But I feel like any time in my life I've done anything like even slightly, you know, like just morally where I was something I wasn't proud of or whatever, you know, like I'm just like, like can't deal with it. Like I'm like, I can't, you know, and so I'm just really thankful that like I set my values early on because, you know, I feel like there it's easy to look at that and be like, well, you know, if you don't have values and you just fit into the crowd, right, like, you'll probably be better off or, like, you'll fit in better. Um, I feel like it's easy to be swayed that direction, but, like, I don't think, you know, that that's necessarily the case. Like, I think if you, like, for me, it's, like, yes, staying true to my values and being, like, hey, I'm here to race, and, like, that's what I'm here for and and nothing else. Um, You know, sometimes I think that can maybe not get you into the in crowd, but at the same time, like, it's, the best decision right and so for me that's kind of helped me at least like i feel like that's helped me you know gel and like fit in because i feel like in that situation like i was there to work like i was there to race and like um and i feel like you know you'll always have you always have situations where like even this morning i had one with um you know a couple individuals that i work with who i was having um, a conversation with a manufacturer and, and they did say you know like yeah like it's going to be tough for them to take you seriously but um but we take you seriously here and so i think um it all just comes down to like you have to do your best to just be who you are stay true to your values do the right thing you know and you can't control other people but for the most part i feel like racing is just my place it's where i feel like i fit in and i feel like i've always been around like. Men my whole life i was really close to my dad and his friends and stuff like that so i feel like i i fit in pretty well in those environments and like for me it's not like a huge deal or anything like that
2: yeah how do you take the mentality of you getting on a one-way flight keep showing up at the garage like how do you take that mentality into like actual racing
1: oh, i i wish i could probably do a better job of that actually um because i think some of the hardest one of the hardest things for me in racing has always been like, I've had to fight so, so hard just to get to the track. Sometimes by the time you actually get there, it's like, now you gotta keep fighting. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, I'm not saying this is like a majority or that this is a bad thing, but like in racing, like you have, you know, drivers that like, that's their sole job is to drive. And like, there's been times in my life where to an extent that was like somewhat my situation, but maybe not entirely. Um, but regardless, like, I feel like even my whole career, it's like, you've had to work so hard all week just to be there and then to try to like, you know, continue to push forward and like give 110% in the race car, even when you're burnout, even when you're tired, even when you're, you know, stressed, or even when you don't like, feel like you have the resources to compete at the highest level, right? Like you still got to go out there and fight and give 130%. And so for me, I feel like that is where that mentality comes in. like. Um, like I've been in races where like maybe something happened right before we went out or like we didn't get the changes made in time or whatever the situation was. You get out there on the track and you're like, oh my God, I'm at the biggest race in the world. Like I've got stout competition and I'm not sure like, you know, we should have done this or that or we ran out of time. Like it's in those moments where you're like, you've like, they're going to drop that green flag. Like you better be ready to fight. Like you better be ready to just like, um, you know, like let it rip and hope the thing sticks and like. Um, and, and sometimes I think you race better that way. Like, I feel like when you're too comfortable, you know, then I feel like sometimes that can also be a bad thing. And so it is a challenge, but I think that that's definitely something that I try to work on is like continuing the fight, like all the way through
2: mm-hmm. when you are racing, like at your best, can you share with us kind of, um, like, what are some, I guess, like inside like your own mind then like when you're when things are really going well what's that process like for you
1: yep so I think number one it's like what are you bringing to the table in the actual race and so it takes good mechanics or good crew chiefs good race cars good engines you know good driver and so you know when I look back like maybe 2018 was like a really solid season for us um, I feel like we had, you know, good motors, we had a good crew chief, we had good race cars. And then for me personally in my life that year, I I was training for American Ninja Warrior at that time, but my training was very well balanced. And so I felt like it really, really helped me in the race car be fit and be in shape. But it wasn't like too overbearing. Um, like when I moved to Indianapolis and I was training for American Ninja Warrior, I felt like it was probably a little bit too much to where when I did get in the car, it was like, you know i trained way too hard leading up to that um and then also just like life if i remember correctly i could be off on this but like i think at that time like i i had switched to like maybe part time college or like you know kind of been on my way out of school type of thing and so i had a little bit more you know um flexibility there time to focus and so i'm actually in a position in my life now where i'm like looking at that same situation like okay what did we used to do to be successful? Like, how can we still imitate that today? And unfortunately at the level we're racing at, you can kind of know what to do to be successful, but might not have like the resources. And so you kind of have to like do the best you can with what you have until you can kind of get to that point. But I think looking back on those years is really fun for me because I feel like there's just a lot of good things that that we were doing that just seemed to gel really well.
2: Yeah. And specifically like when you are in the car, when you're racing, when everything is, you know, you you can see the holes open up, like you kind of know things are gonna happen before they happen. What's that experience like for you? Kind of when you get in that zone.
1: Oh, for me, it's like an out-of-body experience. Like I especially like at a track like Knoxville, it's just so I would pay like I think about this all the time when I'm on the racetrack. I'm like, I would pay so much money for people to feel this because I just don't think people could ever, ever guess like what it truly feels like. And mainly just like the violence inside the car. I feel like just the the forces like um the difficulty level like i think i think sprint car fans in general you know look at nascar and look at other forms of racing and then look at sprint car racing and say like wow this is like way more exciting or it's way more you know ballsy or whatever like but even still in saying that i feel like they i feel like they still like if they could just feel it i think they would still be amazed at how much more it's like that inside the race car, and so, um I, like, what's funny is like some of my most successful performances were also like some of the most like, how would I put this? Like, I don't want to say unenjoyable <laughs> races that I've ever been in, but just like, just so like when you're in a position to win or when you're in a position to like be successful, like it's like no room for error, like 130, like it's asking everything of you that you've ever had to give in like a very short period of time like our races are not super long and so in sprint car racing it's just like there's no room for error everything happens so fast and you have to think so fast and make decisions so fast and like it's it's easy to have regrets <laughs> when you make the wrong decision and when you have success it almost happens so fast you're just like you know oh like you know that that worked you know like that was the right the right move. So. Um, it's what I love about what we do, but it's also, it's hard. Cause like you watch NASCAR or some other forms of racing, like they have time to maybe make it back up or to power back through the field. Cause they have, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of laps. Whereas for us, we might have 30. And so it's, uh, there's just a lot on the line and not a lot of room for error.
2: Sure. What are, um, like how much details go into just your your role in terms of like the car but then racing but like, what, are, what are some of those details like people just have would have no idea how much goes into it
1: yep so um like for our team like i have a shop here in indianapolis um that i rent and i have currently this year we have two full running cars last year we only had one and you know this year we were just more prepared just in case knock on wood we were to tear one up we have a second one built and ready to go so um so that's kind of what you do mainly over the off season and then like when you go to the track and race like i don't have any full-time mechanics right now but i do have at least one that goes to like all the races and so it's just at some races though it's just the two of us which is a lot of work for two people because we're on the track like roughly four times a night and when you're coming in you're making changes in between races like changing tires changing fueling on the engine, um, wings, like we have wings on our car and like things get changed there. Like there's just a lot going on. Shocks get changed throughout the night. And so um so we just typically have like two people, maybe sometimes more helpers. Um now a bigger team like a world of outlaw team, like they would have like a full-time crew chief, car chief, tire specialist, maybe one other person. Um, you know, and that's like their sole job is to focus on each one of those areas. And you know, they're racing a like hundred times a year and so um that's kind of how like a bigger team might function and so then for us like during the week after a race the cars have to be washed like pretty quickly which everything has to be taken off of them everything has to be like waterproofed um if that, like any electronics have to come off the car stuff like that so it's kind of a process just to mm. get the car in position to wash then everything has to be washed because we race on dirt and so that takes a while because. You don't want dirt left on anything. Then everything has to be blown dry, wiped down, um, put back in the shop. And then from there, like you kind of have to go through everything. And so like kind of front to back, like we have torsion bars that get taken out and cleaned. Um, We run different numbers of bars for every track that we go to with different weights, different block heights, and then tires like either have to be changed or resized depending on where or depending on what track we're going to. So we ran different size tires at different racetracks. brake pads have to be either scuffed or replaced engines like nozzles have to be gone through and clean valves have to be ran um sometimes we have to do extra things like last night we did like a leak down test or things like that um you know sometimes our headers have to be changed depending on what track we're going to gearing has to be changed um hmm. and then everything just has to be restocked like all of our chemicals all of our towels race gear has to be washed um shop towels have to be washed like the trailer has to be clean and so we'll sweep the trailer clean the floor wipe the cabinets um just do all that like in between every single race so it's a lot of work and uh, there's definitely a reason some people sure. do this for a living so um but that's how our team does it
2: do you think that like even just that skill set there is that going to help you when um you know when you are on nascar running crew or or even racing there
1: nascar is kind of its own separate thing like it's uh you know sprint car drivers often get asked like well what level are you trying to make it to but like people race sprint cars professionally mechanics work on sprint cars professionally and make very good money doing that and so there's not always like direct like crossover necessarily um in terms of nascar mechanics a lot of them went to school for like engineering or things like that and then same thing like with IndyCar, like it's a very different. Like with sprint car mechanics, like it's very, it's a big grind. Like it's a lot of grunt work, a lot of labor, and you're working on kind of the whole car. Whereas with, you know, some of those mechanics, like if they're a front end mechanic, that is their job. You know, it's right. more of like a an assembly line style occupation. I feel like so.
2: But like when, but being in NASCAR, I mean, that is one of your goals, right? Being on team.
1: Um. Maybe like um, many, 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 many years down the line, I would yeah. be, well, I would like to do a little bit more. I've driven asphalt, like I've raised stock cars and stuff. I would like to do a little bit more of that at some point in my life as a driver. And then like my very long-term goal when I'm older would be to work um, on the leadership side, at, like as a team owner in in NASCAR. Okay. Yeah.
2: So I wasn't too far off there, McKenna. I mean, I'm alluding to all the the things that you're doing leading to a greater goal.
1: Yeah, I think it all contributes no matter what, just because I think for me, one of the things I'm most grateful for that, like, if you want to work in leadership in something, you know, there's not going to be a ton of people that, that recognize maybe the value in a potential leader, if they're not that leader currently, you know what I'm saying? And so like, if I want to work, in leadership at NASCAR, like the team owners are the ones who tend to recognize like that kind of talent. Right. And so for me, it's even just the little things. Like we have a lot of vehicles involved in what we do, like um, trucks and trailers and that kind of stuff. And so it's not just the race cars, but it's like, like last week I checked the trailer um, tires and like had to take those to be replaced. Like the truck, like we had an oil situation that I had to fix on the truck, you know, just stuff like that, where it's like, you know, it's not just keep, and even the race shop and the keys. I always joke about like how many keys we have access to and like keeping track of that, keeping things organized, being a leader with any mechanics who do come and work for us and directing them. Like those are all skills that like the average person in your day-to-day or even in my industry might overlook. Like they might not think much of it, but long-term, yes. Like somebody at like a higher level, if you're trying to whether it's in sprint racing or NASCAR or whatever, like if you're trying to work at a higher level, I feel like those are a million percent traits that are going to pay off and like healthy habits that people are going to want to take advantage mm-hmm. of.
2: When it comes to like uh, just racing specifically, like what are some of those mental, uh, you know, mental toughness components? What are some of those mental game components that you find really be essential to you being at your best?
1: Um, I think some of it is just like, like how you prepare, you know, like how much video footage you've watched, like how many questions you've asked kind of learning all elements. Like, especially if we go to a track that I know well, like Knoxville, like it's amazing to me how different my brain functions at that racetrack compared to some of the other ones we go to. Um, well, why, like, why
2: is that just familiarity?
1: It's a lot of things. I think number one is passion. Like I just, I've loved that racetrack and just had like just this connection I felt to it since I was young. Um, And then just like from a young age i mean i was working for a lot of teams there as a mechanic i was leaning on all the best drivers at a young age asking them for every ounce of advice i could get which back then they gave it all to me because you know like i wasn't a competitor or like a threat or anything like that and so um i learned a ton from like some of the best drivers in that place and then also like the track prep crew i mean we we race on dirt and so um the the actual dirt changes depending on like what state you're in and what track you're at like the actual kind of dirt and so like knoxville's dirt's kind of famous it's a dark uh zook clay and i spend a lot of time with the track prep crew you know just learning about that side of it like how much water is the track you know how much how much do they water it tonight like how do they prep it like how is it wearing off throughout the night like all those things at a place like knoxville for me are a lot more predictable um than like some of these other places we go to and so um, but that builds your confidence. And I think that's like the biggest thing is just having confidence. Like when you go out on the track, like, do you feel like you can be competitive? Are you confident in the track and know what it's doing? Are you confident in your race car? Are you, are you confident in yourself? And I mean, this year has been a big struggle for me in that department because I am doing like I'm setting up the car myself, which even if you get it right and even if you get it um, good, it's still very difficult to be overly competitive doing it that way and there's just so many factors changing in racing all the time that I think that that's the biggest challenge is just like how do you maintain that confidence and sometimes like you go through a period where there might not be much more that you can do um so the best that you can do is to try to just get through you know that phase that you're in of like okay this is like we're giving our best right now and I have confidence that we can get like better trajectory in the future
2: So, what are some of the things you do when you're doing the best you can but the results aren't aren't there
1: i think the first thing you have to do is ask yourself do you know why the results are not there hopefully the answer is yes and if the answer is yes then it comes down to like how do we obtain or you know obtain those things that we need in order to be successful and you know how do we get the resources to do that and so unfortunately racing is very money driven and so Mm -hmm. if you don't have the funding to just maybe go out and purchase some of those extra resources that you need to be faster. Um, then, you know, you kind of, a lot of it's like, how do you build a better framework? Like how do you get better sponsors or not better sponsors, but like more supporters for the following year or, um, you know, even when it comes down to like mechanics, like that costs money too, right? Personnel or whatever. So then it's like, how can we build momentum around that? And I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, I face and other people too, is just not like, figuring out how to not listen to the critics or to drown some of that out, like the negativity, even if it's not something that's being said directly to you, just knowing how people in our sport think, just knowing how they tend to react. And like, I think that's the biggest challenge is like, when you don't have good results, like they like, we have this motto when you win, say nothing. And when you lose, say less, but like, that's hard because especially this season, like if we go out and let's just say we run 15th, like, you don't technically want to own that, but you also can't really come out and say, like, the reasons why behind it, you know? Like, cause it just sounds like you're, you know, complaining or throwing, I don't know, being negative about whatever. When in all actuality, like, oftentimes there is a reason why your results aren't where you want them to be. And you just can't tell that to people. Like, you can't show them the behind the scenes of like, okay, right now, maybe this motor is not, where we want it to be, maybe we don't have a crew chief setting up the car, like, um, whatever the situation is, like, sometimes there's just a reason for that. And so I think that's, for me, one of the biggest challenges is, like, drowning out that part of it, like, not worrying about, like, what do people think, Um, and focusing more on, like, how do we get out of this situation? And so for us, it's just, like, convincing people that you're on a path upward, you know, and that you have the ability to, like, continue building momentum and getting, to a better place.
2: Do you do a good job of that of blocking out um, you know, the negativity from other people?
1: Uh I wouldn't say that I do (laughs) I don't know if I do the best job um of that. I think part of it, like I I just I'm a people person in general, I would say. And I, you know, I've always when I was younger, I was surrounded by a lot of like really positive people. I felt like growing up in my community, it was just a really really good group of encouraging people that I was around. And, and even if you saw a fault in somebody, you know, I felt like you didn't really come out and, and say that, right. Like we gave a lot of grace, like just loved people who, for who they were. And like in racing, obviously it's a whole different situation, right. Than growing up in small town, Iowa, like you're going to have critics, you're going to have people that are just going to sit in the stands and not know anything about it. And I think that's the heart, like, that's what's so frustrating for me is people who make comments just based on like, that they are 100% convinced they're accurate on, and they just don't know the details. And like NASCAR, for example, like when people crash, they get interviewed right away. Like they get to watch the replay and they get to share their side of the story. And in sprint car racing, it's not always like that. Like you don't always get to speak for yourself. Like people can misquote you. They can make you look bad in videos. They can make, you know, like they can just like misrepresent you and send it out to like the world. And And I think like that, that's what bothers me about um, not just racing, but like society, I'm sure in general can be like that. And I just I just think it's so unfortunate because I think when I look at some of that stuff, I just want to say to those people, clearly, you're passionate (laughs) about this sport. Why don't you apply that to something more positive, you know, because our sport has plenty of opportunity for people to get involved and to invest themselves in a positive way. And I don't think it's best for people just to sit back and like critique and act like it's their job to be, you know, the judge, especially when it's somebody that's just like young and fighting hard and chasing their dream. Like, I think if people really saw the behind the scenes, I think they would see things very differently. And so I think, um, I think that's the hardest part for me is just knowing the truth and not being able to say it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. I think there are, I I don't think those people get involved because I think they get their kicks kind of like Frank Sinatra Mm -hmm. said, I think they get their kicks stomping on a dream, stomping on other people. Cause you know what? It's easier. It's easier Mm -hmm. to criticize than it is to try and be part of the solution or really figure stuff out. So, I mean, being a faith-based racing team, how do you incorporate faith, you know, into, um, you know, into your path and your life and and what you're doing?
1: I think the biggest thing for me has been just focusing on my own like relationship with God and letting that just exude itself, you know? And I think, and like scripture talks about like the fruits of the spirit and what that is. And like, when people have genuinely like accepted Christ in their life, not just saying they're a Christian or not just saying they believe something, but like genuinely, genuinely believing it, like you can tell in a person and like how they live it out and like how they treat others and, and that kind of thing. And like, we're all still sinners. Like I most certainly, um, have my moments that are not, uh, the most Christ-like at the racetrack, especially when I get out of the car. Um, but I think that also comes down to like being able to recognize that and like repent of that and be like, Hey, how can I, how can I be better? You know, and what is the bigger purpose here? Right? Like, instead of getting angry, like how can I be grateful? How can I improve? And you know, how can I use this opportunity regardless of where I finished? To maybe make somebody else's day better or to especially when it comes to fans and like little fans like even if i have a bad night you know i always remember like how important it is to um you know that fan may have been waiting all night just to meet you at the end of the night and you know that's where you have to put your own your own emotion aside and just be like you know i may have had a bad night in my mind you know but for these families that came out and spent their hard-earned money on a ticket and waited all night late to come down here and meet us like it it is 100% you know a privilege to give them all the time in the world <laughs> and to show them genuine appreciation and so um i yeah i think there's so many elements to faith and i think for me with racing being so dangerous you know and we have unfortunately lost some competitors um to the dangers of the sport and i mean if that doesn't make you think about like death and even just getting in a race car in general i like to joke if you don't start praying uh there might be something wrong with you and so um yeah for me it was just a natural thing to just like lean on god going through an experience and through a sport that like i didn't know a ton about getting into it and my family really didn't either and so i was always like praying for direction and praying for the right people to come into my life and then i think when i started to do that like i just started to see miracles unfold like i just started to see god move and could feel it in a way that was like literally undeniable and so for me like I totally respect that people have different beliefs and that people have different thoughts on things. And I even understand why people doubt a lot of things about faith. And I'm open to that. Like, I'm totally, I think sometimes people are like afraid to share like why they don't believe in something or you know why they believe what they believe. But like, for me, like I'm open to whatever people believe, because there's a reason probably that they feel that way. But for me, like I said, my life has just been undeniable, right? Like I don't have, like, for me, it's more than just like a belief in something. Like I've seen it, like I've fully believe I've seen glimpses of heaven you know like I have no doubt without a shadow of doubt I know where I'm going when I die and so I'm very thankful for that and like I also don't want to minimize you know the emotions or the doubts of people who might not feel that way like I think it's totally okay to not know or to question like anything regarding like faith and belief in life and to and but I think it's good to ask like those questions you know like yeah. um, I definitely don't want to come across as like prideful in that and what i feel like i don't want to act like i've had some kind of secret special like lens into anything like everybody else has the same access to anything i've experienced with faith that i've had you know mm-hmm. to experience and so um but i think that's big because at this point in my career like the older i get you have to still continue like i've seen how important it is not just to Um, like for like the reason Bible verses ended up on my stuff and the reason faith ended up on my social media was because it was genuinely coming from like where my heart was at. And I think the further you get into your career, and especially when you're in like a rough season, like kind of what we've had this year, it's a good reminder for me of like how important it is to keep investing in like your yourself, like your own relationship with God, because you can't just put that on your stuff without like to me, it should come from your heart. And I think um somebody once told me and it's kind of blunt but it's like never blame anybody else for the quality of your relationship with god and even if you fill that in with something else like whether it's your health or your goals or whatever it is in life like i think even for myself it's so easy to like put it on somebody or something else and be like well this is why you know like i can't go to the gym every day or i can't go to church or i can't do these things that i know are are healthy for me and i think it's so important to take ownership of that. And it's also so difficult to be like, you know what, like this is on me. Like I have the ability to invest in this and to change this and I have to learn how to make this a priority again in my life. And so I think that's something that I'm continuously trying to like work Mm -hmm. towards is like, what is important to me in life? And like, how do I keep that at the forefront?
2: Yeah, no, really well said with, um, with the youth race, racers of America, um, What's the fulfillment like you get out of that and, and providing those opportunities?
1: Oh man. Um, it, it's a challenge because sometimes you don't always feel the impact, you know, like um, you just have to trust that it's there, right. I guess. And for me, there, there's a lot of people in my life who sometimes like question how I give that, you know, they're always like, you need to focus more on yourself or whatever. And, um, but I'm just like, I always think back to like younger McKenna and like the bigger reason of like why I'm in this sport. And I've been saying a lot in the past year, like I'm 26 years old. Like I know that doesn't sound that old to a lot of people, but to me it is because life goes by so quickly. And we forget that life isn't necessarily like hopscotch where you're just like hopping along. It's more of like trajectory. Like you're on like one of those straight fast water slide things, you know? And whatever trajectory you get on, like, that's kind of the direction you're going. It's kind of like the race car, like whatever direction your wheels are pointed when you get in the gas, like you're going that direction. And so for me, when I look at like my life, it's like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm giving back now and laying a foundation and doing what I can to better the future of the sport. Um, Because again, racing is dangerous. And if anything happened to me tomorrow, like, I wouldn't want to be like, miss that opportunity. You know, like if I die tomorrow, people would be like, hey, how can we continue this on in McKenna's honor? And I'm thankful that I laid the groundwork now. And so it challenges me though, because it is a lot of time. It's a lot of investment and you don't always feel appreciated, honestly. And you don't always feel like people care, but that's part of like sacrificial love. And I mean, scripture talks about like, if you love the people that are easy to love, like even sinners can do that, right? Like even people like, and And I think it's like a good wake up call to be like, okay, how am I giving in my life in a way that's not really about me? And it might not ever be about me. And the world is so big that like, I'm kind of just a speck anyway. And I think it's easy to think like, you know, I don't want to say like, we should, we should feel like we matter. We should have self-confidence. Like I'm not trying to minimize that, but I also feel like we have to never stop remembering like the level of impact that we actually have the ability to have and everybody has that and I think what breaks my heart the most is looking at people in my life I'm like man not judging them but just like wishing like just knowing that they have like a greater capacity to love and to pour out and I want to see them do that because I genuinely think it would bless them equally as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow really well said that's why i do such a good job speaking as well want to listen to your favorite music but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today tune into cooko-radio.com. music for your mindset we're a commercial free online radio station play nothing but hits our free ios and android apps are available for download at kukoradio.com but you- one more question and what question should I be asking that, uh, that I just haven't asked in, in our interview?
1: Oh, Um, uh, that's a good question. I think something, I don't, I don't know if this is like the right question, but maybe just like something I think a lot about is like the topic of like, what have you learned from your mistakes and like regrets, you know, things like that, like imperfections. Um, because I think we don't get a lot of opportunity as drivers to, like, to speak about, like, to have a voice, kind of like what I was saying, like, other, like, NASCAR drivers, they're getting asked every 10 seconds their thoughts on things. And I think with sprint car racing, you know, I don't think that that's, like, something that we get to talk about as much, so.
2: Yeah. Well, can you share? Pretend I just asked. Yeah, you?
1: <laughs> yeah. no, I think... You know, I'm in, like, such an interesting phase of life because, you know, like I said, I'm obviously living in Indianapolis and kind of getting to live, you know, the life that um, that I feel like God's had planned for me and also the life that I've dreamed of living, even though it's, you know, maybe not everybody's dream life, but and it's challenging. Um, but I think when I just look back on my career as, like, a whole um, and look back on the beginning in Knoxville and leaving Knoxville, like, we were just there racing and, like, oftentimes people ask, like, why did you leave or what are you doing in life? And I think so much of my story I'm saving. Like I'm not gonna tell anybody until the end. Um, like I'm hoping I can just write a book and, and just kind of fill people in on that. But um, you know, I think living out here has given me the opportunity to kind of have a little bit more of my own voice. And like when I was in Iowa, um thankfully we had like just a lot of good fans and followers and community. And especially with the racetrack being local, there was just like a lot of of just good, you know, promotion and support and that kind of thing. But I think in that led to oftentimes, like, um, me not always getting to, like, have my own voice or share things, you know, is more so maybe other people speaking on behalf of me. And so I think, you know, that's something that, you know, I definitely wish I could say I regret, even though I don't think you can really believe in regrets, but more so just like, what can you learn from that? And so I think, you know, one thing that like i learned from that is just like the importance of getting to kind of um to like stay true to yourself and to not let others like you know speak for you or um or standing up for things that like you might not believe in but you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings like those kinds of things i think are things that like i've definitely learned over the years like what does it look like to just um to kind of like speak for yourself stick up for yourself and i think in those younger years it was definitely more of just, I was focused on my education, my racing, and Mm -hmm. all of that and not paying as much attention to what the swirl of things going on around you. Sure. But I think in that, when you're so focused on what you're doing and, and on, and all the right things, like I felt like I was focused on the right things, but I think when there can be just like those negative forces like around you and people like that don't have the best of intentions, it's like, what does it look like to still speak up for yourself and like have a voice in that? Um, and so I think, you know, that's something that's become much more important to me is like having those boundaries and ma- like making sure that anything that that represents you or is put out is like in line with like what you want um, spoken right. about you.
2: I love it. McKenna, um, I mean, we're going to put the links on there for for all your sites, but uh, man, just really appreciate you taking the time and joining us and then just sharing everything. Uh, you've that you've had to share it's just really fantastic and uh thank you so much for the time
1: yeah absolutely thanks for having me and um i really appreciate it i'm super grateful to have met you and that was just like the best event ever i had a blast and so i'm really grateful for all the relationships that came from it
0: thanks for listening to mental toughness with dr rob bell To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at DrRobBell.com or follow him on Twitter at DrRobBell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.